success could be defined as reaching the top of the mountain, whatever our mountain is, whatever our goal is. And yet, if that's our definition of success, then with every step we take, we fail Mm. because we haven't reached the top yet. We haven't succeeded yet. But what if we redefine success as every step in the right direction? So then with every step I take, I go, wow, you know, I just succeeded, a little success. Hey, there's another one. Born in 92 on the block with the sharks, come from a different cloth, y'all would get ripped apart. You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark. We dropping nuggets like Carmelo went to Rucker Park. Now we eating from state to state, we scrape the plate. I put my eggs in a basket, took a leap of faith. I took a chance, now we grow and see the impact. Decoding success with special guests, now let's bring match. Welcome to the show, everyone. Episode number 219 to kick off the year 2022. A lot of numbers being thrown around right now, but we're kicking off the new year with this episode right here on the Decoding Success Podcast. It's your host, Matt Labrie, and I'm going to cut right to the chase. Stay tuned in this introduction because we're giving away something. I said, how can we kick off this new year the right way? And we want to add value not only through the show, but through other areas of life too. So we're going to be doing a giveaway in just a few moments. Keep in touch for that. Today, we're joined by our friend, our guest, Dan Millman, former world champion athlete, university coach, mixed martial arts instructor, and college professor. After an intensive 20-year spiritual quest, 20 years, Dan's teaching found its form as the peaceful warrior's way. His work continues to evolve over time to meet the needs of a changing modern world. Dan's 18-plus books, including Way of the Peaceful Warrior, have inspired and informed millions of readers in 29 languages worldwide. The feature film, Peaceful Warrior, which is exactly how I discovered Dan, was adapted from Dan's first book based upon incidents from his life. And that movie is incredible, by the way. Much of Dan's time is devoted to speaking. His keynote seminars and workshops span the generations to influence men and women from all walks of life. And Dan is here to influence us today. Now, with that being said, I had mentioned we are going to be doing a giveaway. So to that point, Dan has come out with a new book, Peaceful Heart, Warrior Spirit. And to get the book, all you have to do, it's this simple. It's literally this simple. Screenshot this episode. You're listening to it. Take a screenshot. If you're driving, do not do it yet. But screenshot the episode no matter what platform you're listening to it on. Post it on your either your Instagram story, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, however, wherever. Tag us, because if you don't tag us, I won't be able to see it. Tag either myself personally or the show. Make sure you tag Dan too, why not? Dan's on Twitter and Facebook. Tag Dan, and we're going to deliver you a book. It is that simple. So again, to get a book, all you have to do, screenshot this episode, share it. On either your Instagram story, your Instagram feed, your Twitter, your Facebook, your LinkedIn, and then from there, tag us. It is that simple. We're going to help you kick off this new year with an incredible book. And just so you know, what we're diving into today is absolutely incredible. Dan is a man of many quotes on top of all of his wisdom, his knowledge, experiences from 20 plus years of going through this spiritual quest. We're diving into the difference between purpose and meaning. We're diving into what it really means to keep your head in the clouds, but your feet on the ground. So much more. Without further ado, episode 219 with our friend, Dan Millman. 
Dan, my friend, welcome to the show. Your body of work, what you continue to produce nonetheless is absolutely incredible. Super excited to have you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Matt. Yes, 18 books, and it's only taken me 40 years to write them. (laughs) I love it. Well, you have a new book on the horizon. January 4th, it's releasing. Great way to kick off the new year. Now, I don't want to botch this title, Peaceful Heart, Warrior Spirit. Now, here's the part. The true story of my spiritual quest, your spiritual quest. Yes. First question for you. Why write this book at this point in your journey? Well, it's an excellent and important question. Why anyone would write a memoir expecting people maybe might want to read it. It's not just about me, but it's how my story actually reflects everyone's path. We're all on a kind of spiritual search, whether or not we might phrase it that way or recognize it. Everyone I know is looking for a sense of meaning and connection and purpose in their life, how they fit into the larger world. And so I, this story is about our search for happiness, fulfillment, and so on, and the path I took, which is quite unusual in terms of the four mentors I encountered, well, two decades. They reflect different aspects of this search for spirit, let's say. And so that is why the particulars of my story, which may differ from other people's, still reflect our larger universal quest. Mm, I love this. Now, let's talk about meaning. I think that's a really powerful way to kick this off. Sure. What does it take to find meaning in this modern world that we're living in? Well, I don't believe we find meaning. I believe we create it. Because from a larger perspective, nothing means anything except as we make it so. If there were no humans on the planet, would meaning be gone? Do animals make meanings or do they have instinctual reactions and responses to their environment? What's innate and genetic and so on? So human beings, life unfolds in mystery. This is how I see it. And circumstances happen and change. I often remind uh, my readers that change comes at us in waves that we can't predict or control, but we can learn to surf those waves. So in response to that, we make meanings in our life. And sometimes we make positive, resourceful meanings, other times negative meanings, superstitions, and so on. But meanings are something humans create. I think with our imagination and our beliefs and ideas. So I don't think we find it. But if we're looking for meaningful life, I think we're looking for a life where we fit in, where we feel a sense of worth, that we count for something, that we can make a difference, that we can reach out to other people. And that's how I think we create the meanings in our life. Right. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. I appreciate the perspective there. I'm just curious if someone that's listening to this, maybe they don't feel like they have a meaning. Like, What's your advice for them? Hmm. There was a man who came to me once, Matt. I was doing personal consultations when I lived in California. Now I'm in Brooklyn, New York. But back then, he, he entered the office, knocked on the door and came in. And he put his money in cash on the table and sat down. And as usual, I said, well, what is, is your purpose? Because I think we're in a way talking about purpose more than meaning living a purposeful life. And a lot of my work, a number of my books deal with life purpose and clarifying that. Well, anyway, I said, what would you like to accomplish here? Why are you here? And what is your purpose? And he said, oh, I have no purpose. Mm -hmm. And I said, "Uh uh-huh. I said, well, if you did have a purpose, what might it be? But he wouldn't bite. He just said, nope. He insisted he had no purpose at all. I said, okay, well, you know, I'm usually responding to what you want to accomplish. If you have no idea, I can only say it was nice meeting you and and really have a good day. 
And I stood up to reach out to shake his hand. And he stopped for a minute and said, wait a minute, Dan, I just put some good money on your desk there. And I have the next 60 minutes of your time. And I said, you know what? I think you've just discovered a purpose. (laughs) And when our session is over, you'll have another purpose, which is finding your way back to your automobile and driving to wherever you're going without hitting any people or objects. And when you arrive at your destination, you will find another purpose. You know, in the Peaceful Warrior movie, when the actor Scott Mecklowitz and Nick Nolte playing me and the old gas station guru Socrates, when they hike up this big hill, Dan, the character, has this revelation. He said, I just realized it's the journey that makes us happy, not the destination, which there's a certain wisdom behind that idea, because most of our lives are the journey, not reaching the destination. And yet, without a destination in mind, there is no journey. We just wander around. We're hardwired goal seekers. So I don't want to give too long a seminar-like answer, I know, Matt, but I did want to respond in that way to your question, because I think what we're really asking is about purpose, not meaning. Absolutely. And Dan, feel free to talk as long as you want. You you don't have to ever cut yourself short here. I'm a student here. I'm grateful for this. I need to ask, you know, based on that journey, you mentioned you have a unique path. I think I have a hell of a unique one. We all do, right? We're all unique individuals. How do we embrace that though? Right? Because we're living in a world, let's let's talk about the modern world. That was the first question we asked. Mm -hmm. In this modern world with social media, with success defined for us in a way, you know, we, we find ourselves comparing time and time again. And I might sound like a parrot at this point because I ask this potentially often here on the show, but how do we embrace our own unique path and maybe not compare it to someone else who might be at the destination we, we think is for us? Yes. Well, I like to remind people when I speak in, in public and so on that each of us has a story of our life, and it is our treasure. And I like to remind people that there is not a single story on the planet exactly like yours or mine or anyone else's. So it is our treasure. We're not just, we don't just have a story, we are a story in the making. And we never know what the next chapter is going to be. So that's what I like to remind people. And that story has moments of heroism, quiet heroism, moments of courage, because we've all overcome adversities in our lives. We've all had physical, emotional, or mental pain in our life. And yet we can agree that because of that, we're still here and we're a little bit wiser and a little bit stronger. So even though the description, the description that you probably received about my new book, The Peaceful Heart, Warrior Spirit, it describes Dan's search for meaning in the modern world. And the point was I was searching for what I already had. Mm. I, I had my glasses on my head, but I was looking around for them. It's like that. And that's one of, the, one of the takeaways, many takeaways in the new book. When I went through this long search, I realized the search only reinforces the sense of dilemma that sends us seeking in the first place. So rather than this endless search, which I went through for at least two decades, and finally I came to rest. And in doing that, I hope readers of the book will, will go through that journey with me as they did with Way of the Peaceful Warrior. But this time, it's the true story behind the story. So they will come to rest as well and more content and with respect for their own story and their own unique life that is not like no one else's. That's a beautiful thing. Now, going back to meaning, this question just popped in my mind from based off of what you were saying. When it comes down to creating meaning, is it created internally or externally or maybe a combination of both? 
Well, the safest answer is it's a combination like nature and nurture. I think it's primarily created inside. Let me give you an example. I was teaching way back when, many years ago, when I first started teaching, uh, maybe at least 40 years ago. And I was in a small seminar, weekend seminar room that my host had, had, had rented. And there was a huge snowstorm outside wind blowing that you could hear the wind howling and shrieking. And suddenly while we were, you know, the seminar was just getting started, this huge tree fell over and crashed on top of four people's cars and, and crushed the cars. And obviously, understandably, people were upset by that. But one woman in particular, maybe she'd been reading too much Carlos Castaneda, I don't know, but she was pacing back and forth because she saw a crow fly by the window. That was a bad omen for her. And she said, Oh, I knew it. I wasn't sure about coming today if I just had stayed home, but I didn't trust myself. And then my car would still be in good shape. Well, maybe that's true, but she was making up a meaning that was a negative one. I should have done differently, should have, would have, could have. Whereas, what does it mean? She's going to have to contact her insurance company and they're going to, the car's totaled and they're going to have to replace it and, you know, cover the insurance. It's inconvenience. Nobody was in the car, nobody was injured. The point is, People make up meanings. Two people are on a, a roller coaster. They're both about to go over the big drop, and they're both screaming. One is screaming with excitement, the other with terror. Why? What's the difference? One believes they're going to have an incredible time on this ride. The other is they're going to die. You mentioned an ocean cruise, and some people, their meaning is food you know, the arrays of food and fresh sea breezes and all the things you can do on those cruises. And somebody else, they're thinking the Titanic. <laughs> People go camping and somebody is like thinking panoramic vistas and the crackling campfires and hikes and vitality and the other person, snakes, ticks, bugs, and bears. <laughs> so that's the meanings we make up of things, whether it's positive or negative. We view different worlds. Yeah. Out, of our, our, out of our eyes. So we need to be at least aware of these projections and meanings and associations we project on the world, which is essentially just arising mysteriously. Mm. I love that. I love that. Now, well, let's decode the title of this book a little bit, Peaceful Heart. What does it take to have a peaceful heart? Well, you know, I came up with the term peaceful warrior when I was teaching a martial arts class many years ago. And in the memoir, I go into that, how it came about. But People say, oh, Dan, I want to become a peaceful warrior too. What do I have to do? And I like to remind people, every one of us is a peaceful warrior in training because each of us is seeking to live with a peaceful heart. Mm -hmm. But there are times we all know that we need a warrior's spirit to stand up inside of ourselves, to roll up our sleeves and march into the challenges of everyday life, which I view as a form of spiritual weight training. If you don't lift any weights, you don't get any stronger. So that's what I mean by peaceful heart, warrior spirit. Uh, it's about having our head in the clouds and our feet on the ground. I love that. That's powerful. Now, when it comes down to the mentors you've had in your life, what's your advice for individuals listening to be able to attract mentors into their lives? Hmm. We've all heard that new age saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Yes. Um, but many people misunderstand that. They think when they're somehow deserving or initiated uh, or have done enough suffering, then some teacher like Socrates, who I describe in, in my book, my first book, will appear and guide them or kick them up the path, whatever it may be. But I believe that when the student is ready, which means paying attention, 
the teacher appears everywhere. So one doesn't necessarily need to have the same types of the four mentors I described in Peaceful Heart, Warrior Spirit, but we all have teachers. We have role models, whether it was our parents, positive or negative examples, or both, whether it was a, a teacher, a special teacher in middle school or high school, or even university, whether it's somebody we admire growing up who taught us certain things about life we needed at the time, whether it's a book, books can be teachers. In the memoir, I describe a story about one day I'm working as an administrator in, in a school, a body work school, but I'm doing administrative work. I'm sitting at a desk. I'm feeling more and more stress and pressure. I feel the pressure building in my head, uh, a headache starting. And because it's Friday afternoon, Joy and our little daughters are going to pick me up. I want to finish this before they pick me up, be done for the weekend. I have to make calls and fill out forms. And I was really, you know, all this stuff is building. And then I just happened to glance out the window and I looked and I saw a cloud floating through the sky. It wasn't racing ahead of the wind or dawdling behind. It was just going at the pace of the wind. And for some reason in that moment, I took a deep breath, just watching that was calming. I relaxed and I filled out the forms, you know, in a nice pace. I made my calls. I got everything done without putting all this pressure on myself. No one was doing it to me. So that cloud was my teacher. Nature has always been my primary teacher. Trees bending with the wind rather than snapping. Rivers flowing, the shape downhill. So our teachers are everywhere when we're paying attention. And that's one of the messages, one of the numerous ones that I want to convey through my story. I love that. Now, it's so interesting talking to you at Honestly, I've never really thought of it this way. I'm going to tell you a quick little story here. I hate LinkedIn, Dan. I hate LinkedIn only because it's super spammy. Nothing against the actual platform. But the reason I'm saying this is because I got a request from a woman and, you know, just older woman, no clue who she is. I accept it. Look into her profile, go to her website, get a free consultation. Long story short, she ended up being my coach for X amount of months. Wow drastically revolutionized my life. And you happen to do that. And I happen to do that. So this is going to segue me into my next question. How do we become open? Maybe open is not the best word to use here in regards to what the world, potentially a cloud is trying to teach us, right? Because we can resist. I, I resisted. I didn't want to pay the price tag that came along with the coach. I'll tell you that, but I did it, right. you know, but you did it. That's the key. You know, people say, Dan, your, your first book changed my life. And I go, well, you know, you picked it up, you opened the pages and read it, or someone gave it to you, and they did you as much good as I did in writing the book. So these things happen in our lives, just opportunities pop up. And when opportunities appear, you know, many people say, who was it? Was it Thomas Edison who said, most people miss opportunities because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. <laughs> <laughs> you happen to respond to that LinkedIn and you happen to look at that website. So that's why I say when, when spirits calling, uh, pick up the phone, just pay attention to these opportunities. And believe me, Peaceful Heart Warrior Spirit really has several of those kinds of coincidences that changed my life. And I just happened to do something. Or Joy said, hey, why don't you go to this thing? And I'd almost forgotten about it. So that's how it works. And I hope that uh, are remembering a time in their life where something turned around because they just happened to say yes to an opportunity. Right. 
that's the mystery of it. Like, just like you were describing, I absolutely love that. I just want to throw it out there again for the guests that we are doing a giveaway of your new book. It, it, Dan, it, listen, it's as simple as taking a screenshot of them listening to this and posting it on their social media story or wherever, however. It, it's that simple. We want to get this book out there to people. We have a bunch to give away. So to that point, I'm curious, if individuals can only take one thing away from this book, what would you want it to be? Well, those only one thing questions always uh, trip me up because <laughs> I wouldn't have written 18 books if I only had one thing to say. <laughs> However, one big takeaway I would have to say would be to trust your process, to trust your life unfolding, and to avoid comparing yourself with other people, which many of us tend to do, which leaves us feeling either superior or inferior depending on who and at what, in what circumstance we compare ourselves to. But comparing ourselves to other people is a profound disrespect for ourselves and our own life. When I was, in fact, I think I have this in the book too. When I was a young coach, a gymnastics coach at Stanford University, and I taught beginning gymnastics classes and trampoline, I noticed some people learned, say, a somersault much more quickly than other people. But then I noticed that those who took longer to learn often learned it better than those who learned it faster. So that's why I said to them, you know, trust your process. We all learn differently. You're doing what works best for you. And so even though that's advice we sort of already know, all I do is remind people of what they already know, but they tend to forget. Mm. So this idea of trusting your path and your process. And I went through ups and downs in that, as I described, working with these various, well, four very different mentors whom I call the professor, the guru, the warrior priest, and the sage. Radically different teachers, yet each one came at the perfect time. And again, over a period of about 20 years. Mm. I love this. How do you trust the process when things hit the fan? I could use the S word, but you know, it's kind of blowing up in front of your face or you know, things aren't necessarily going your way. How do you start to trust? As the warrior priest used to tell me, sometimes you get the elevator and sometimes you get the shaft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stuff happens in life. And as I like to point out, when we don't get what we want, we suffer uh, dissatisfaction. When we get what we really don't want, we also suffer. And when we get exactly what we want, we still suffer because we can't hold on to anything forever. Things change. And so learning to surf those waves again is part of a life skill and a practice that gets better over time. That we didn't, weren't taught in school. So, you know, faith, I would define faith, a higher form of trust. Faith is the courage to live as if everything that happens to us is for our highest good and learning. Now, do I know that's true? No, maybe just sometimes life sucks and something <laughs> happens and, you know, it's, it's really hard. And we really can't find the light for, from this, even the benefits of it. Even though on some level, every adversity brings some wisdom and some strength. Mm. But still, faith is the courage to live as if everything that happens is for our highest good. And I choose to live on that basis 
because it makes my life more positive. And okay, you know, I've dealt with adversity before. Now I've got to deal with something now and I'm ready. Right. And that's the warrior spirit part. But it doesn't mean that every that once we trust, everything is just going to unfold perfectly in line with our hopes, wishes, and desires. Because life isn't always like that. Mm. But riding those waves is what we're here to learn to do with some grace, not avoiding them. Yeah. Now, we, we've talked a lot about mystery. We've talked about having destination. So I'm just sitting over here and I'm saying to myself, where's the balance between the two, right? Like, so for example, you want to have goals, you want to know where you're trying to head. But at the same time, there's also the quote that's out there, you know, man plans, God laughs. So like, where, where's the balance? Like, we, we don't necessarily know what's going to happen. So maybe some people are out there saying, why set goals? Right, right. And it's a very good question. You know, there are a couple of quotes that come to mind. One is uh, the Arabic saying, trust in God, but tie your camp. <laughs> and uh, Cardinal Spellman once said, pray as if everything depends on God and work as if everything depends on you. Mm-hmm. That's the head in the clouds, feet on the ground. That's the paradox. You know, we live in two worlds. We live in a conventional world where we spend most of our time and attention handling business, doing what we need to education, taking care of kids, and you know, all the things we do in everyday life. But we also connect with and can connect with the transcendental dimension, the transcendent, which rises above it all. It's the big picture rather than getting locked into tunnel vision constant. Sometimes we need that, that focus. But there are different truths that operate at these two levels in terms of does death exist? Mm. Conventionally speaking, absolutely. Transcendentally speaking, impossible. Are we a separate self? Well, conventionally speaking, yes, demonstrably so. If I stub my toe, it doesn't hurt you, (laughs) unless you're highly empathic, right? (laughs) Um, But transcendentally speaking, who we are, which is pure awareness shining through these billions of eyes, same consciousness, that's never born and never dies. Mm. And we are connected to everyone. So both are true. That's the paradox of life. That's why in my first book, Way of the Peaceful Warrior, Socrates' business card said paradox, humor, and change. Mm. So these different things are true. Free will absolutely exists on the conventional level. But transcendentally speaking, no, it's an illusion. So we have to live in the conventional world and live as if those things are true. But there are times it's good for us to take a step back, to rise to the mountaintop and look at everything from the distance, because everything looks more beautiful from the distance. Mm. And so we need to touch both those areas. And that's really a life skill again that I learned over time. And that's why I share these reminders. Well, it's definitely appreciated that you're sharing them. Dan, I'm curious, what's a question you wish more people would ask you? I know you've done these podcasts many times over. I'm sure you get a million and one questions. What's something you wish more people would ask you? Huh. You know, I don't really wish that people would ask me anything. I like whatever questions that come across the board. It's always interesting to, to get a sense of what is in, in people's minds. So the questions are more important than the answer sometimes mm-hmm. to be able to come up with these questions. They, questions are wanting to know, express curiosity, wanting to explore and grow. And so all the questions are good as far as I'm concerned. 
I gave a seminar just the other day in the UK, uh, you know, webinar. And the last question I received was, Dan, do you ever bounce on those little round trampolines? Uh, <laughs> and I said, good, a practical question, you know, because some are pretty much up in the air. One story I describe in the new book, when I was sitting with the guru, people were asking him questions and I, I asked him some abstract question. I don't remember what it was, but it was about uh, when you're in a transcendental state, can you feel any pain? Something like that. And he responded to the question in terms of a short talk to the whole group. And then he looked around the room when he was done and said, does any, anyone have a question from a little lower in the body? Because, <laughs> mm. you know, indicating that I was asking something kind of abstract. So I like that practical question about bouncing on a rebound, which is actually quite a helpful thing to do. And I do it almost every day, six to seven days a week, just doing some jumping, you know, to music sometimes or in silence. It's quite helpful. I won't go into that in any depth right now. But that's an example of one kind of question I get. And others are, what is spirituality and all these ideas of defining words? Speaking of defining words, Matt, since your program is about decoding success, which I, I, I like the theme. I'd like to offer my definition of success. Please do, by all means. Okay, because I want to be you know, right, spot on in terms of your theme too. You know, success could be defined as reaching the top of the mountain, whatever our mountain is, whatever our goal is. And yet, if that's our definition of success, then with every step we take, we fail mm. because we haven't reached the top yet. We haven't succeeded yet. But what if we redefine success as every step in the right direction? So then with every step I take, I go, wow, you know, I just succeeded, a little success. Hey, there's another one. And to me, success is making progress toward a goal that's meaningful to you mm. or, or toward a purpose. That's, uh, yeah, and to live purposely. In fact, one of my little books is called Living on Purpose. So I do address this question of purpose. And many people confuse it or intertwine it with meaning. Right. Uh, you know, people who are motivated, there has to be meaning there. If there's no meaning, there's no motivation. So we do define meaning. For example, I was a gymnast for many years. For a decade, I trained rigorously in the field of gymnastics. Most people have seen gymnastics know it's a demanding sport, quite challenging. And why would I do that? Somebody might say, man, you could be out of the gym and go into the park and exploring, talking with people and all the time and effort you put into it and injuries occasionally. But to me, it was meaningful. There was something about it that hooked up with me, whereas somebody else it might not be meaningful for. So we all form purposes based on what feels meaningful and worthwhile to us. And even the better part of self-knowledge is what are my talents? What are my values and what are my interests? Mm. Those are three key elements of self-knowledge. You know, if we don't know ourselves very well, and it takes a while to do that, then we make the right choices for the wrong person, mm. the one we thought we were. But the more we know our values, our interests, not what we think we should do, not what someone else thinks we should do, but what we are interested in. And there are talents, knowing what we're good at and not good at. Now, if something we find great value in and we find meaning in that we're not good at, we can get better at it by practicing and training. But the more we know those things about ourselves, I think the better we're able to make wise decisions for ourselves. Some of these points I'm actually going to raise, it's funny, and uh, I'm looking forward to teaching live seminars again, you know, after this pandemic Zoom 
everything. It's it's nice to reach out in this form. I love it. I don't have to travel to Europe as much. <laughs> but I'm going to be teaching at Kripalu and Omega. These are two big growth centers on the East Coast, you know, personal growth. People come for weekend workshops. And the theme that I'm going to be teaching is sort of new. It's a life coaching masterclass. Because I realized in writing my memoir, how much coaching I had done since I was like 12 years old, helping friends in gymnastics and trampoline and coaching at Stanford. And, you know, I've been coaching my whole life and I moved out from the field of athletics to everyday life, to a set of life skills. So I thought I'm, I'm ready to teach a masterclass for those interested in life coaching. So that's what that. I'm doing. Yeah, that's yeah. a beautiful thing. Now, Dan, you, you bring up a great point. I, I appreciate you defining success. And I think this next question will actually help people define success for themselves. Talk Mm -hmm. about getting to know ourselves. How do we get to know ourselves? Now, I'll throw it out there. I'm a big advocate for therapy, something that I've personally done. It it drastically revolutionized my life. As mentioned, I've done coaching. I've done flotation therapy. That's incredible. So many things. So I'm curious, what's your advice there? Well, therapy is one extremely interesting in, uh, intriguing way to get to know yourself. Mm. You see, most people, most of us have natural defense mechanisms and we develop a persona. And so we end up knowing our self-image rather than knowing ourselves fully. Mm. In one of my books called Everyday Enlightenment, I go into these 12 areas of life, 12 courses in the school of life, but I'm only going to touch upon one of those 12 right now in response to your question, which is illuminate your shadow. Now, many people, unless they've studied Jungian psychology, you know, they go, what do you mean illuminate my shadow? Is that my Darth Vader side? No, it's not. The shadow is simply parts of ourselves that we've disowned, that we go, oh, that's not me. Whereas a young baby isn't good or bad, it's both. Ask the the kitty who wanders by too close to a toddler. You know, they grab the tail and whatever. (laughs) So the point is, we have aspects of ourselves. We need to know ourselves realistically with all our our warts and, you know. So, and I've done, I go through now the the mentor in my new book called The Sage, we go, uh, he offered a process of looking inward and seeing ourselves in relation to other people in a way that we might rather not see, but we see ourselves realistically, it's really humbling and humanizing. And you know, through the process of therapy, I mean, most people have discovered some of this aspect just in having a relationship. Relationship difficulties, we see parts of ourselves we're not too crazy about. Mm. But once we see that, we have less to defend. It frees energy and attention from defending a self-image. In fact, one definition of enlightenment is seeing ourselves, knowing ourselves to the bone Mm. until we transcend ourselves. Because we're not here to get rid of our ego. We're here to transcend it, to see ourselves with some degree of humor and compassion. So I'm all for therapy or any other method of, uh, of insight. And in fact, I wrote a book, you know, The Life You Were Born to Live, which is a way to see ourselves and our qualities, our core issues more clearly. It's all about self-knowledge. I love that. Dan, uh, this is absolutely incredible. I could talk to you the rest of the day. (laughs) I've appreciated this conversation. I know I need to let you go here. Just want to throw it out there one more time for everyone that's listening that we are giving away Dan's book. Very simple way of going about that. Uh, I'm going to have all of your socials, websites, all of that good stuff where people can keep up with you in the show notes of this episode. Also where people can purchase the book, all of that good stuff. 
Any last words, Dan? Where are you hanging out on social? Are you on social hanging out there at all? Well, it's funny. I'm a minimalist in social media. I'm on Facebook and also on Twitter. Awesome. And what I do on both of them is I share a couple of times a week a favorite quotation. One of my uh, callings or hobbies, uh, I've been collecting quotations for 40 years. I have uh, a thousand pages, not a thousand quotes, but a thousand pages of quotation. I'm sorting through slowly now, getting rid of duplicates and so on. And so everybody has followed me for 10 years or something. They, they get a quote from me that really deals with either witty or wise quote not from me necessarily, mostly from other people, because yeah, nobody's smarter than all of us, you know? <laughs> and so I, I pick these quotes that really speak to people's lives and share them a couple of times a week. And that's pretty much what I do, unless I'm announcing a new seminar or something they can go to. You know, I, I put those up on social media as well. But that's, that's how I use social media. I don't let it use me. Cool. I love that. And I, I could tell that you have a million and one quotes because you gave me now one of my favorites, which I wrote down, trust in God, but tie your camel. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, while we're at it, let me share one more by Mark Twain. He said, I've had many troubles in my life, most of which never happened. Mm. Yeah, I, I could relate. <laughs> I could relate. Dan, thank you again for this opportunity. Really excited to be able to amplify. Thank you for joining us. Matt, thank you for inviting me on. It's been a pleasure. And there you have it, everyone. Episode number 219 here on the Decoding Success Podcast with our friend Dan Millman, who has helped us officially kick off the new year 2022 on a very high note. And even beyond the insight, the wisdom, the experiences that have been shared on this episode, our show Decoding Success wants to add even more value to help you kick off the new year on a high note. So what we're doing, as mentioned in the intro and the interview itself, is giving away Dan's new book, Peaceful Heart, Warrior Spirit, the true story of Dan's spiritual quest. We're giving these books away. All you have to do is follow the very simple, and I repeat, very simple instructions of taking a screenshot of this episode as you're listening to it, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple, iHeart, or wherever you choose to listen to your episodes. Take a screenshot, post it on either your Instagram story, your Instagram feed, your Facebook story, your Facebook feed, your Twitter, or your LinkedIn. And the key part is to make sure that you tag us so that we are able to see that you shared it. It is that simple. There are limited quantities of the book, so act quick. We are going to make sure that we try to get as many books as possible to each and every one of you. We bought these books in bulk, and we want to make sure that we are sharing them with our amazing community of listeners, which would be you. So make sure that you are taking us up on that offer. Now, Dan dropped a whole ton of value on this episode, and I'm very, very grateful to be able to amplify it to each and every one of you. So sharing it is just an added incentive to the people that are in your life. And beyond that, make sure you're checking out Dan's stuff. He can be found in the show notes of this episode, socials, websites, where you can get the book, even beyond sharing it, so on and so forth. So make sure you check him out. And until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.